Craft Beer Radio, episode 169 on November 15th, 2010. Due to time constraints, this is one of those unedited shows. It's Friday, it's 10.30, it's time to party. I'm your excellent host, Greg Weiss. With me, as always, is Jeff. Party on, Greg. Party on, Jeff. Today, we're doing beers from Bill. Uh, yes, wonderful listener, Bill, who lives in Texas, sends us beers from Texas and, and the Southwest. Which is great, because, you know, first of all, it's awesome. Second of all, beers that we never get a chance to try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we often get beers that aren't available here, because it's the only... Um, beer from that area that we can get is Shiner, and there's a lot of other breweries in the area that you might not know of. Um, let's start with this one. What's the alcohol on the uh, the real ale from uh, Phoenix Double ESB? What is that? I want to make sure it's not too strong. This is uh, the alcohol seven point two. Uh, okay, um, it's tough. Do we do go with you know? High in alcohol or big flavor. Let's just do it. Let's okay. just do it. Let's go crazy. The Phoenix. Let's let's go nuts. The uh, Phoenix Double Extra Special Bitter from Real Ale Brewing. Seven point two percent alcohol by volume. Fifty IBUs. Fourteen degrees Play Doh. English Crystal Malt. And. English hops. So there you go. English style double extra special beer. <laughs> did you say that this was from Blanco, Texas? Or Blanco, Texas? I did not say that. I think Blanco. But you just did. Yes, I did. And um, beer was... Uh, so if you take a look at the beer, it's got this really nice tan color. Uh, kind of... Not not filtered, right? Because yeah. look how clear yours is and look how cloudy mine is. Yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely some yeast that got stirred up at the bottom. It's a, t- you know, it's not quite cold. It's sort of like a dark tea. Or not even, not quite dark tea. Iced tea. Mm-hmm. Very clear. Smells nice and bready and uh, it's got some sweetness there. Mm-hmm. Definitely some good malt. Yeah, it smells good. It has... Um Ready. A little orange or something. I'm getting a little bit of citrus, or maybe it's just, you said English hops, but I it's still I'm thinking I'm smelling orange in there. There's something vaguely citrusy there, but I th- I'm pretty sure that's just the hops and just some sort of uh, mm-hmm. artifact of that. Now that's interesting to to take an ESB. Mm-hmm. And kind of hop it up. Uh, it makes it kind of a, a a strong pale ale, in a sense. It it it's it's got a you know it's got a good amount of malt to it, but it doesn't feel like an ESB particularly. Well, it's not an ESB. It's, it's, a, double it's a double ESB, ESB right? It uh, it definitely has that that malt body, that bready that. Um, toffee type flavors that you get out of ESBs that I love in ESBs. And then on top of that, it has really juicy and I'm sticking with citrusy hop flavor to it. You know, you get this 
um, grapefruit is the main thing I'm getting out of the flavor. Not so much what you typically think with English-style hops. I'm getting something more akin to uh, maybe a cabbage-type flavor, uh, some, something vaguely grassy with you know, or, or maybe even kind of broccoli in that area. Broccoli is, of course, a type of cabbage. Or at least they're all okay. from the same family. So Greg's is very clear. Mine is very yeasty. Should and I try yours? You should try mine. It, I think it's more fruity. Where I when I tasted yours, I could definitely taste that more green vegetable, that broccoli, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Having the two, it's, it's interesting the way we do the pours is because Jeff usually pours mine first and then his second, and when there's a lot of sediment kicked up, he will. Get a different class of beer than I will. Yeah. So that sometimes is why we have mm-hmm. very different opinions on beers. Yeah, like sometimes, you know, it's good to have them separate so we can give more guidance to the listeners. And other times, you know, one of the beers just isn't the, as good. And then you'll hear us pouring them back and forth to get a more consistent thing. So we both enjoy the better yeah. taste. Like if you want some of this yeast, we can do a little back If you'd and like forth. to. We're not afraid of cooties, so we can do this. I mean, don't do this with somebody who has the flu. The beer will kill the flu, right? That's what they say. Well, the beer <laughs> might, but I don't know if just the glass will. Mm. So you're not putting beer up your nose. Right, right. It's a little... um a little in between now. I'm, I'm getting a little more of that green vegetable, that cooked vegetable that you were talking about. And when I say cooked vegetable, I don't really mean DMS. I think it's more of the overdose of, of hops that they put in right. the spear. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, I mean, 50 really IBUs is a lot. I mean, even for 7.2, 50 IBUs is... Well, it, it could be a lot. Now, I'm taking some assumptions here, and I don't like to take big assumptions what the brewer did since I wasn't there. But English hops like Fuggles and whatnot are lower alpha hops. So they might have used a large volume of hops to get the bitterness in there. And when you use a large volume of hops, you start extracting other things. And one of those things can be this vegetable-y type flavor. Um, You'll get it sometimes when people do these ridiculous American IPAs too. But that will typically come across as like fresh-cut grass, you know, that very lawn-type flavor or aroma. Because there's just so much plant matter, in the and plant. it really comes across as sticky. The thing is that this doesn't come, this doesn't have a stickiness to the hops. It doesn't get this kind of resinous, almost I, I would say a texture. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's it's still pretty, you know, up there in terms of um, of hop flavor, but it doesn't it doesn't stick on you. So it's not. It's it's interesting try. I would say. If I were going to call anything, I mean, I see what they're going for by mm-hmm. calling it WSB. If I had to categorize it blind, I would say probably a strong ale. Yeah, blind would be tough. I don't, since it's not blind, it, it's hard for me to go back and figure out what it would have been blind. I'm just trying to think of something yeah. that, that, you know. I don't think I would have gotten it right. Now, knowing what it is, I agree with the taste flavors. But yeah, blind, I, I don't know what I would have ended up picking, though. I, I might have even said IPA because mm-hmm. there's enough, you know, a, a big malty IPA. Yeah. It, it could, could work. It could work like that. Yeah, you could certainly. I mean, we've had blind shows where we couldn't even tell within you know 
four styles apart, mm-hmm. you know, what the beer was. So taking this one blind and having it hit your tongue and you think it's an IPA, yeah, that's certainly acceptable. Next on our list. Let's do this one since right. this one's not. We should have probably done this one first since it's not so hoppy. This is the uh, Rar and Sons Iron Thistle Scottish Style Ale. All right. Well, we are really going for the heavy alcohol first. 8% on oh, this sucker. Jeez. Okay. I didn't realize it was so big. It's a it's a Scottish style ale, or you know, at eight percent, probably a wee heavy. Um, it's got twenty five IBUs, hopped with Warrior hops, two row Vienna Crystal Chocolate Carafa Special Two malts, and it's available January and February. So we're getting so it's. Obviously, been in the fridge for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Bill sent some of these beers in a while ago. Um, the the first one, that, that extra special bitter, it was best by uh, the end of May, so it's um, five months out. This was the national grand champion in 2009 of the United States Beer Tasting Championships. Well, that sounds prestigious. So the color is very, very dark brown. Um, there's brown, brownish red highlights. It has a small amount of uh, really tiny bubbly head. Creamy almost in the head. It's hard to, to pick out the aromas because they're, they're so different from the last one. <laughs> they're... Much more molassesy, I suppose. Molass- yeah, this is. I mean, for even for regular Scottish ales, Scotch ales, wee heavies. This one's really dark. This one looks like porter, as opposed to, um, you know, the other ones are typically a, a red, an amber, or something like that. And then the smell on this one, like you said, molasses. Only um, a pomegranate. Hmm. You know, I was thinking. You know, Raisin, but not quite raisin, and I was thinking more along the lines of something a little bit brighter, and pomegranate kind of comes to mind. I'm not getting that kind of fruity out of it. I was thinking, I was thinking a little more towards the the peatiness, you know, a little smoky, a little... Oh, so the peatiness, not the penis. Yes, (laughs) peatiness. That's a little joke from, what, episode 18? That was a while ago. Um... (laughs) Johnny Max from Brew Crazy took Greg and I saying peatiness and mixed it so we were saying penis. I don't think they or, had or to mix it very he, much. Okay, he didn't have to mix it very much, but he, I think he put us like into an interview or something, right? And he asked us loaded questions and our answers were how much we liked penis. <laughs> I don't remember it being no? as complicated as that. I remember we did something like that or I did something like that for uh, um, Charlie the Beer Guy. Okay. Yeah, maybe it wasn't loaded questions. Yeah, that was a fun one. Go back and listen to that. <laughs> the, uh, the little the little play that we made. Well, we we actually didn't we didn't air that on our show. We sent that to Oh, that's right. Should I drink that, didn't we? Oh, beer report. Beer report. Cuz we were too much of pussies to <laughs> play it on our own. <laughs> Send us an email. Maybe we'll let you know where you can listen to it if you want it bad enough. So the flavor on this one, we were just getting into aroma, then we got sidetracked. It's nice. I mean, it's it tastes it's, kind of portery, really. It's it's roasty. 
you know, it's less complicated than I thought it would be, which is good because I generally don't like wee heavies very much. I think mm-hmm. that they kind of overpower it and overdo it. That's it. It's not as sweet as a lot of Scottish shells either. So if you're turned off by how sweet a lot of Scottish shells are, this one is, you know, I'm going to call it like a Scottish porter, right? Because it's like a mix between the two. I think, you know, they have so many malls in there too, Ro Vienna, Crystal Chocolate, a Carafa. Mm-hmm. They, they, they definitely were playing around here trying to yeah. find a good malt combo. And it works. At least from that first taste I had, it it, it gave a, an interesting kind of complexity without bogging you down with sweetness and overpowering maltiness. Mm-hmm. How, that being said, if this was entered in a category competition for Scottish ales, I don't think it would go very far. I think that, uh, you know, put it in the porter category, it would probably do better. But, you know, grand champion for the... Uh, National United or the United States Beer Tasting Championships, it, it won something. But I'm wondering if it was judged against Scottish ales as a Scottish ale, or just being judged as a highly ranked beer. You right? see that a lot. I mean, when we were looking at, at the Great American Beer Fest winners, for example, there were some that you know were judged in different categories and their labels had on them. Yeah, I'm trying to remember ones that were, but there was like some that you know an IPA that would be judged as. Uh, Heavy, you know, or a yeah. I mean, brewers and home brewers do that all the time. You set out to brew a Irish red, and it comes out a double IPA. Don't enter it in the Irish red category. Right. Enter it in the double IPA category. It doesn't matter what you intended on brewing because it's blind testing. So the, you know. it doesn't matter what the marketing people call it. You know, if you're a commercial brewery, enter it in the style that it fits the best. Yeah, but and, and then the USBDT might not be a style based category, and this beer tastes good. There's nothing really wrong does. with it. It's that whole Peter Buchart catch twenty two, right? Because this beer isn't idyllic of any style, really. It's a mix between Scottish ale and a porter. Does that make it a bad beer? Hell no, no, not at all. It makes it hard to win style based competitions, though. and it makes it hard to indicate to people what kind of a beer it is because you know you have people who may be really into wee heavies and maybe not necessarily into porters and mm-hmm. the opposite how do you advertise to, to both of them and say this is kind of in between i think it would cater more to porter fans but i get what you're saying i think we can manage that that trouble though this one perhaps yeah. would cater more to but but you can see where the complication sure. would arise All right, so next we are moving on. Let's do the let's do the Shiner next. Shiner, this is interesting because um, it's a smoked beer. So you think, oh, it's going to be a porter or something, right? No, it's a Hellas, smoked Hellas, smoked Hellas. Now I couldn't find any information on this one uh, because on their, website. The, their website is is terrible. Um, but it's interactive. Yeah. It, it feels like it was made in, you know, 2002, 2004, and people were like, hey, Flash. Flash is going to be great. It's like virtual reality and the best of virtual reality and Flash all rolled into one because it's like, remember um, Microsoft Bob, right? Where it was like taking the metaphor of the desktop but making it literal again because there was a desktop with a blotter and everything. So this is Flash taking you to a beer website. A, a, brewery's website and drawing out your menu items as tap handles you know so you can't take the metaphor or or the 
You lost me. Yeah, you lost me. All right. Shiner Smokehouse. You just haven't used Microsoft Bob enough. This is the Munich Hellas Lager, according to... I'm using Beer Advocate now because I don't have any stats from, from, the, from the preferred source, which would be the brewery. 4.89% alcohol by volume. So a hair over sessionable in that range. Yep. Straw colored, you Golden. could say. Yeah. Crystal clear. Very clear. Nice. Definitely filtered. Interesting how Greg's head had disappeared. Mine is standing up tall there. But What's your room like? Not very smoky. First impression. Oh, second sniff. I got a little smoke. It, it says it's a... Uh, Made with Texas smoke. mesquite wood-smoked pale malts. So they didn't actually... <laughs> so it is a Hellas, right? So you probably shouldn't expect, like, liquid smoke. Right. Like, yeah. You, you want just a little subtle hint so i don't want to get my hopes up or i always for some reason you know you know how we talked about uh how i have this very visual Mm -hmm. line and whenever i think of a smoked beer i I know that you what you're doing is you're smoking the the malts but for some reason when i think of a smoked beer i think about you know actually taking the beer like in the fermenter and then (laughs) percolating it yeah percolating smoke through it or something like that Yeah, that'd probably lead to some oxidation problems. It would probably not be good, but for some reason, that's how it, it pictures in my head. Sort of almost like a cartoon. You know, Daffy Duck is doing mm-hmm. it or something. Well, there's a pretty big smoke flavor on this thing. A lot more than it is in the aroma. And being a light-bodied Hellas, there's a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of body there, but... Smoke is really it, dominating yeah, the smoke flavor, is a isn't it? Big part of the flavor. That's probably by design because there's not much else going on. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very, very delicate, very clean, beer. very crisp, uh, which is what you want out of a Hellas. There's you know no um, if there is lager twang, then the 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 other tastes are completely covering it up because I don't taste any of of what we you know call lager twang. Uh, well, we screwed up right here on the label. It says serve ice cold. <laughs> I don't like my beers ice cold, and you shouldn't either. The perfect summer beer. Good for grilling and for chilling. And we're chilling. We are chilling. It's smoking good. Man, I was going to use that later. Jerks. It's kind of like you take a, let's see... I'm trying trying to give a good explanation of it because there's not there's nothing what, offensive here, but there's also nothing you know crazy great about it. It's just yeah. it, it, you know it's kind of like you, you you take a very inoffensive Hellas and and you, you stick a, a, a mesquite <laughs> like charcoal <laughs> brick in there and you let it sit for a well, while. I mean, it, it's almost like you're drinking you're you're just drinking uh, an American lager. Next to the barbecue pit, right, know? right. You're getting a little bit of, of the smoke in with the taste of of, of a lager, and it's and it's a ve- it's a very decent American lager, but that's all it really is. It doesn't have much. This beyond. might be a good beer. It's not very offensive, but there's a fair smoke character to it. This might be a good beer for marinating, cooking stuff like that. I could see that. I always feel like you're wasting beer when you do that. I know I, you know, I had these cooking with beer mm-hmm. things, and 
it, it it feels to me like unless the beer is something really fantastic, and if it is, you want to drink it as opposed right, right. to infuse something. But if well, that's it, why I think this might be a good cooking beer, right? Because right? <laughs> it's not fantastic. <laughs> but you know, if 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 there's some really fantastic flavor in a specific beer, I can see how you can maybe use that to infuse. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess Sharp Edge does that with some of their stuff, like their mm-hmm. um, uh, their French onion soup is made with. Uh, is it Chimay or is it Great Lakes? I, I don't know. I didn't know they had beer in their French onion soup. I think I've had it before, but I didn't. I don't recall the beer. Anyway, yeah, so this is is interesting. I think I would um, try putting some some you know use this with barbecue as, as something. But if you're gonna smoke it anyway, then there's no point in putting smoked beer on it. That's right. kind of wasteful. Um, so yeah, I can see it as as a as a pretty nice sort of deglazing liquid. Yeah, if right? you're pan frying or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm, because you want to bring some flavor into it eat, instead of using, say, just plain old chicken yeah, there broth you go. or something. Yeah, definitely use it on the stovetop. But you know, again, nice and inoffensive and and, rel- and pretty drinkable, and uh, at uh, four point eight nine, relatively sessionable. Mm-hmm. So, if you know want to have a couple of these, you're not going to get blitzed, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, if you're hot summer day lawnmower type beer, I'm not sure if this. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking, would this fit there? Is this a lawnmower beer? This might really it? go. You know, if you had some some meat, you know, you had this little bit of beef jerky, it would uh-huh. just probably go pretty well. Oh, right? there you go. Yeah, this and a beef jerky after you cut the grass. Okay, next we're on to Houston, Texas, the St. Arnold ooh, Brewing ooh. Company. Uh, you can, you know, it's pretty easy to make your own beef jerky. Mm-hmm. And if you marinated the beef jerky oh. and beef in that... You wouldn't have to use as much liquid smoke. You're right. There's an idea. St. Arnold Brewing Company, Houston, Texas. And this is their winter stout. Four different types of malted barley, including a large portion of specialty malts. I like it more when they tell us what they do, but okay. <laughs> Two different Pacific Northwest hot varieties. So they're they're making us guess a lot. They're obfuscating. They're uh, they don't want us cloning this beer. Apparently, the water is just water. Apparently, oh, that's nice. all they have for the description is water. That's good. Plain old H two O. I had a, um, I have an idea that I'm kicking around. I need to check some pH numbers. Um, I've been getting into loose leaf tea, drinking a lot of different loose leaf teas and whatnot. And I was I'm more at, a fan of loose leaf notebooks. Ah, uh, uh, oh, but uh, but um, but uh, but uh, but um, but um, I was uh seeing reading this one blog about tea and. Uh, you know, we talk about cooking with beer, but apparently you can cook with tea, too. I can see that as being more... I, right, right. I never considered it, but as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh. But, you know, what's my next logical step? Is instead of using water for brewing liquor, what about tea for brewing liquor? I gotta check the pH on tea to make sure it can still mash, right? I see. Will it, will it mash? But you know, that could be a interesting. A tea, like a, a tea beer. Well, yeah, I mean, you could you could steep tea in your beer, but you can make tea in your hot liquor tank. 
and use that. So instead of just using H2O, using... You'd have to worry tea. about whether the tannins would kill the yeast, right? I mean, there's... Uh, no, I don't... I mean, tannins might cause off flavors farther down the road, but I wouldn't worry about killing the yeast. My biggest concern would be you, you steep the tea. It changes the pH on the beer, and then you don't get a good conversion in the mash tun. That's my concern. I need to check and see if the pH on tea is different than water, and if it is, if I can be adjusted or not. That's an interesting idea. I I haven't heard of anybody doing it, so... No, and I just spilled the beans, so I'm not going to be there first, apparently. Someone like Barlow is going to be doing it next weekend, because he brews all the time. Uh, 15.5 degrees Play-Doh on the original gravity, or 1.061, if you want to have the... Uh, the American units. Specific gravity. Uh, 36 IBUs and beat alcohol by volume 5.6%. Also by weight 4.5, but I don't know who uses by weight. Taxman does, man. Nifty aroma on this. Uh, it's a stout. It's black. Little head, of course. Moderate brown highlights. Nifty smell on this, though. It's kind of um, rooty. Um, sassafras root beer. I'm getting, like, interesting, sweet, rooty smells out of it. Kind of wintergreenish type, yeah. yeah. Along with a roast also, but, you know, what stands out, what jumps out and says, hey, this isn't your average stout, is that, that wintergreen. Yeah, pretty... Um pretty dark and and uh i say very dark cacao chocolate kind of oh, aroma yeah. yeah like you know something you get out of like a 96 97 yeah cacao. something that, that does something not that taste flavor. like chocolate mm-hmm. but really dark and roasty that's a I'm getting caramel in the flavor Back there's a touch of that mint, that wintergreen that you were saying before. I also think I'm getting a little bit of oxidation late in the flavor. It's kind of a cherry sherry type type flavor. I like the I like the mouthfeel on this. It's very kind of mm. viscous and, and creamy. It's got this interesting, like Jeff said, development of flavor where there is this this burst of sugary caramel. Uh, and toffee, and then it it goes into those rooty characters that we were talking about. Wintergreen, maybe, but I think you're more correct on the sassafras area, a little bit more towards the root beer. And then it does go somewhere vaguely cherryish. It's not cardboardyish though, so mm-hmm. it's in the right direction for. Well, this is a day. winter stout, right? And we're in October, so and it's yeah. not it's not brand new, so it may have a little age on it, which might be killing it a little bit at the end but um the majority of the flavor is really interesting you know i wasn't expecting such a sweet caramel flavor as the main the first part of the taste because it just wasn't in the aroma at all where are the hops it's a stout doesn't need to be super hoppy there's some bitterness in there it's providing balance it's like the beer's all cloying and sweet no, but I'm just I'm trying to 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 figure out where they are because usually you can at least taste some remnant. And I mean, yeah, I'm not getting I'm not getting hop flavor. Um, 
some of the bitterness from the roasted malts and some of the bitterness from the hops. I'm picking those up, and it, it's kind of just a, it's what's making this beer finish dry, kind of a blanket of dryness and scratchiness on my tongue when I'm done drinking it. And, you know, it's not all tannic and sooty from right, the roasted right. malt. There's some of the bitterness you can tell. It's kind of a subconscious thing, but you know, I can tell that some of that's from hops too. I think some of the oxidation may be also covering up a little bit, yeah. Because I think that you'd get a little bit of, of perhaps hop character at the end there, but you're getting a lot more sort of a sherry character, which brings out more alcohol and that tends to cover up um, of the hop stuff. So, but not bad. Probably better if you got it around December 15th, which is when it's released. Yeah, yeah. Again, Jeff fails in getting beers out in a timely manner. But never been horrible yet. Jeff fails a lot of things. Yes. So does Greg, though. So. Okay. Just ask my wife, right? Make beer, not war, is what this cap just told me. And this is the St. Arnold Divine, number, Divine Reserve number 8. Scotch Ale. It is... It was made July 6, 2009. Bottled August 20th, 2009. So, this is another old one, relatively. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only 1,500 cases were made. 9.3% alcohol by volume. So, big beer like that typically can age. Scotch Ale, 9.3. Not too worried about the year and a half that's on it. Year and three months. 1.091 OG. Brewed with two row biscuit, dark crystal, amber, peated, caramunic, and wheat malt. Hopped early with Hillertau tradition and late with Hillertau Herzbrucker. Mm-hmm. Then fermented uh, with a traditional Scotch ale yeast. Interesting. It seems like all these beers have like the. The kitchen sink of malt bills, yeah. don't they? <laughs> no one's like pale two row and you know a drop of caramel thirty. Well, I don't think I don't think the Hellas had much in the way of a complex. Well, well it had mesquite smoked malt, so right. Okay, so the color on this one is kind of reddish. It, it's a reddish orange. Yeah, this suppose. is what I expect when I see Scottish yellow, not yeah. that big black one from Rar Brothers. Um, reddish. It's really pretty, nice and clear. Thin, wispy head on it. You said it was 9.2%, right? 9.3. Damn. <laughs> Are you getting smokiness on this? And it, yeah, Did something. we not rinse our glass good enough from the beer two beers ago, or is this one smoky? It's there. I think there's some smoky character there, at least that's hitting the aroma. It's something uh, vaguely reminiscent of... You blow out your your cooker, let's say your mm-hmm. charcoal cooker, and you smell okay. the aromas coming out after that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of reminiscent of that. A lot of um, alcohol volatilization in the aroma on this one, too. You, you breathe in nice and slow, and it really gets up in your nose and gives you some of that burning, but you also get just other nice flavors. It helps the malt get in there. It's just bready. It smells good. But you got to breathe really slow to really get everything and not, you know, suck it right past your your olfactory glands, nerves, sensors, whatever they are. I don't think they're glands, technically. 
That really is smoky. It's pretty sweet, too. Mm-hmm. It's more the kind of wee heavy type thing that I was expecting. It's it's, it's got a very... Um, it's got a flavor that kind of feels like it's just surrounded by sugar, like mm-hmm. a crust of sugar around kind of maybe a bready interior, like sort of like a, a sugary donut. It's sweet. It, it's hard to... It's hard. It's hard for me to want to drink a lot of this. I mean, one sip and it's it's getting cloying already. And I liked it, but yeah, it just it can't. One, it's not drinkable. Yeah, you know? it's not a very drinkable beer at all. It's uh, it's got yeah, definitely some smoky character to it, which may be coming from one of these. Well, they say peated malt, so that's it. Yeah, that's it right there. really big it's i mean it's as smokier smokier than the smoked beer you know officially smoked beer right. the, the one from shiner peat smoked malt you know the stuff they use in scotch is really really acrid stuff mm-hmm. and you have to use it remarkably sparingly in doing beer now i don't know if peated malt is the same thing as what they make in use in scotch I can taste a bit of a scotch mm-hmm. kind of flavor here. It kind of tastes like a Krispy Kreme donut, you know, that, <laughs> a that, scotchy that, donut. that's been soaked in Jack Daniels or something. <laughs> scotchy donut. Or, okay, maybe Maker's Mark, right? Well, you got to use a scotch, right? Or it's not going to be smoky at all. So yeah. what would you recommend? You know, you got Glenlivet, Ardmore, okay. Legafoolin, Lafroig. Legavolin's my favorite. I wish I could afford it. I, I want to try to get a couple more sips down just to see if I get accustomed to some of these big flavors and it becomes more drinkable. But it's hard. Because it's so sweet. It, and <laughs> it's a beer I bet kids would love. Because it's really sweet. <laughs> But see, they they put the the peat malt in there, so kids wouldn't love it. You know, it's it's a uh, keep those kids from becoming boozies. All right, so from divine number eight, we go to divine number nine. All right, this is a little bit more recent, uh, and uh, somewhat sort. Of, yeah, it's kind of Ooh. in in the correct sort of seasonal thing. Oh, it's really not that much more recent. I'm sorry. It's still 2009. Yeah, it's like from last Christmas, right? Actually, from last uh, November 11th is when this was yeah. bottled. Um, this is an Imperial Pumpkin Stout. Is that what I was smelling? I knew I was smelling spices out the wazoo, but I I wouldn't have guessed pumpkin. I thought it was more of a Christmas spice ale or something. 1.101 original gravity, 11% alcohol by volume. Oh my god, that's huge. <laughs> there <laughs> it smells good though. Uh let's see. So the last one gave a whole bunch of information. This one just marketing speak and or you know, how they want you to taste it. How do they want us to taste it slowly, reverently? Well, first of all, important, let this beer warm to at least fifty degrees before enjoying. Uh all right, we got that part. Right. Forget about the internet. Smell this thing. Yeah, okay. Holy moly. 
There's uh, nutmeg, allspice. There's a lot of allspice. Um, a lot, you know. Allspice is the one that's kind of like a what's what's one that's shaped like a star? Anise. Is it? Is it, yeah, star, star anise. Star anise. Yeah, there's the allspice are little berries. There. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's right. So the star anise, and, and there's the um, maybe maybe a little bit of caraway, but the, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. It's like those Christmas spice jars you see. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought it was a Christmas beer. When and I first cinnamon smelled the bottle. Cinnamon there too. Mm-hmm. It smells great. <laughs> I mean, it just smells great. You know. I want to um, make some some shortbread or something and just soak this in it, you know, like you know, like when you're making like um, lady locks or you know I mean, it, dolce de leche or something like that. It's been an interesting show so far because, like I said, I'm not a big fan of cooking with beer. However, a lot of these beers seem like they'd actually work well right. in cooking applications. Oh, this one tastes good. You think the spices would be overpowering from the aroma, right? But I mean, the first sip I had, those spices were in place; they weren't being rowdy. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's. Uh, let me take another sip. Uh, I don't know if I would agree with you there. <laughs> they're 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 pretty strong. It's kind of like a, a it's a spice bomb, but it's kind of like a really rummy fruit cake, right? That's why um, I wanted to put this on cake, you see? <laughs> I want to pour this in a cake? Mm-mm. Now, keep in mind, my exposure to this kind of spice concoction is somewhat limited. I did not grow up right, with, around uh, this very much. So, I, you know, I don't, it doesn't bring back to me the memories of, you know, Christmas of old. Uh, <laughs> Generally, you smell a lot more wax and stuff around Hanukkah time because you're burning all the candles. <laughs> so, I think that it, it this would be good. You know, if you want to remember Christmas past, mm-hmm. there's a definitely sort of a very Christmassy feel about this. To me, it's, a, it's it, the spices are kind of like they're. You said they're not fighting with each other. To me, they are having a full on like. Cage match, and, broken bottles. Yeah, they, it's you know, and it, it's not really well choreographed. There's no okay. West Side Story, you know, <laughs> what they're doing to do, 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 do. but they they are just going at it. And then there's like there's pumpkin in the back going, "Hey guys, I'm here too. Don't forget about me." And a lot and of the, alcohol. And the nutmegs right raking the all space across the face. Oh, totally and, slamming it against the cage and. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. I might have understated it. It's just that first sip, I'm like, hey, it just it, it it just fit together for me, and it wasn't abrasive. But yeah, I mean, sip after sip, it, it's a big mouthful of flavor every single sip. And it's also eleven percent ABV. That's another thing. It it's got a lot of malt in it. It's very sweet. It's. And and that's where some of that rum flavor is coming from, right? And uh, and and so the fruitiness, the the fruit cake type thing, because it's got so much sweetness, it's like cake cake sugar almost. See, so so it's a big beer. You can't drink it fast. You can't drink a lot of it. I still really like it. I mean, drink three four ounces, share it, dessert. I like this. I think it's it's a it's a noteworthy dessert beer. It, it's. 
it stayed up very well for being a year old, and uh, maybe eleven percent. You'd probably expect that it better. It yeah. Better not go off that that alcohol strength. Uh, definitely, I agree with their thing. Let this beer warm at least fifty percent before enjoying, because mm-hmm. otherwise you'll just taste alcohol. I mean, you're on. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be muted. The spices are going to be toned down. It's just going to be this imperial stout that's going to be kind of boozy. Yeah. You know, and when it warms and sweet. up, it warms up, you know, it comes alive, I'm sure. All those all those volatiles and all that stuff. It, it's really not a flavor that, that I can say I really enjoy, but it's just not a flavor that I'm used to having, mm-hmm. and that's why. Um, yeah, if someone made an, I don't know, Apples and honey, which we ate during Rosh Hashanah, or you know, or, or a matzah beer. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> matzah and gefilte fish. Some gelt. <laughs> gelt chocolate still. Gelt was yeah. Gelt is just you know little cheap coins that were. Usually made of chocolate. There's an idea for for Jerry McCowan. He can make a uh, Hanukkah beer, you know, gelt chocolate stout. Would, would there be little floating coins in there? Well, no, there'd be the fo- he would take the foil and put it on the cap, right? Ah, uh, I see. Well, I I think tra- you know traditionally gelt was just sort of any kind of coin, like toyish coin oh, okay. type thing. It was okay. not. It, it's not not the chocolate candies. The chocolate candies the that we all associate okay. now. So, so yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call. Do it you that. want to do a triple Belgian triple, or do you want to call it night? I kind of want to call it night at okay. this point because we've had a lot here mm-hmm. and I did a think, lot of different flavors. I didn't really expect to get this far, and um, yeah, so I'm not too hot on. We have the devil, uh, the real ale brewing company, Devil's Backbone, which I think just won a gold at the GABF, but. You know, well, save if you want to go the GABF, then maybe I we should can't, try it. I can't appreciate it right now, so I think we should save it. All right, all right. So it's ranking time. Oh my god, there's too many beers on the table. <laughs> well, I'll go first then. All right. So my number one beer of the night is probably going to be the yeah the the Iron Thistle. I think that the interesting. Um, the one that's kind of you know is a porterish, is you know is a Scottish ale, but really more of a porterish Scottish ale combo. Really very interesting and uh, and and good. I like their flavors a lot on that one, and you know didn't it didn't overpower, but it had complexity to it. Mm-hmm. There's a good balance between yeah. porters and Scottish ales for people who didn't. Um... So I think I'm going to go with the Winter Stout next thing, especially if it was fresh. Uh, the Winter Stout would be even better. So I'm going to say if you get a fresh Winter Stout, it'd probably be really good. Um, it's crazy, those root flavors. Yeah. They're not something you get out of a lot of beers. Really interesting, uh, good stuff. It gets a little harder from here. E- yikes. Okay. I'm going to go with the Phoenix WSB. Though I would probably, you know, I'd say it, it, it's an IPA. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna try it, think more IPA than think. You know, this is gonna be a, a malt IPA blast. with an extra bit of caramel and malt right. flavor. Yeah, too. It's, it's, sure. it's a very malty IPA. Uh, and then I'll go with the Shiner. Um, the smoked was interesting, uh, not terribly 
complex or fascinating beer or something that you really you're you know going to go hmm, wow or and and sip and enjoy for hours but it's not meant to be that beer mm-hmm. it, it does the job it means to do uh and you know it 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 equates itself well and it really does show that if you're like us and you don't like Shinerbach, try some of their other beers because their other beers really are very good yeah i like i mean there's some shiner beers that i, I dig a lot but you know, I had a couple over the summer. Cosmo, which is like named after the original brewmaster, and uh-huh. it's the Cosmo might have been their like fresh hop lager or their hoppy lager or something. It was gross. Um, their um, half they have half half bisons. I think it's not very good. You know, the Kolsch we really like. Yeah. I had a, a 101. I thought the 101 was pretty good. So they're really, they're really hit or they're, miss. Yeah, they're hit or miss. Well, really. You know, another one is like that, frankly. Um, Peter Bruchart. <laughs> He's kind of hit or miss, I think. That's, that's, I, I can't disagree, right? I mean, because they do, you know, the, the Lips of Faith, which are amazing. Right. And then, you know, they have their regular lineup. And you got Ranger and Fat Tire, which are meh. Yeah. And then you got Mothership Wit that's pretty good. Right. You got Skinny Dip that's really good. And, and then you got... Lawfully. Well, that's part of, yeah, I call that part of the Lips yeah. of Faith. But yeah, I'm thinking of the regular lineup. And some are good. And then, you know, the funny thing is, you know, some of the most popular beers, I think, are meh. Yeah. So it's not it's unprecedented. All, it's all personal preference, sure. Uh, the last two are the Divine Ones, and I'm probably going to go with uh, number nine and then number eight, just because number nine, I could see how somebody could enjoy it, especially if it brings back those Christmas memories. Number eight, I really didn't like it very much. It's one of those really heavy Scotch ales that doesn't, doesn't appeal to me very much. Right. So, um, you know, my sentimentality comes into play i'm gonna put the divine number nine first okay pumpkin imperial stout with spices pretty drinkable the whole, whole way through 11 percent. it's good it's real good i i'd be you know talking about wasting beer right you when cooking with beer so it could be a wasting beer right you know these are rare taking one of these bottles and pouring it on some some cake to you know make a beer soaked cake I feel like that'd be a waste, but I also feel that'd be very good. <laughs> I'm not sure what I would end up doing there if I had a second bottle of that thing. Number two is um, is a tough, tough freaking call. Um, St. Arnold Stout. So that one had that those root flavors. Right. Like, just like I said before, fascinating. Don't get that in very many fl- beers, that sassafras-type flavor. And it was really interesting. It did have some age flaws to it, but not Bill's fault, not St. Arnold's fault. Number three, I'm going to pick the uh, beer from Real, Real Ale Brewing Company, the Phoenix ESB. I, I liked it a bit. Um, I, I got it, what they you were going for. liked it a bit. I liked it quite a bit. Quite, okay. Quite a bit. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I left the word off. I got what they were going for. And uh, I, I have much to say. I just thought it was solid. And then uh, we're getting down to the bottom three. You didn't. I haven't ranked that one yet. 
Hmm. Uh, Greg is surprised I haven't ranked the Rar and Sons Iron Thistle yet. It, it kind of hit me in the middle of the road. That's probably going to be my next one. Um, Surprises me, but, you know. It, it just didn't didn't awe me, you know. In, in it doesn't have to. Well, it doesn't have to. It, I like the other beers better. Yeah, and take you're that. Um, then the last two. He's um, not really loud. I'm going to have to take the uh, Shiner Smokehouse over the... Uh, the Scottish yell from St. Arnold the Divine. It was just too sweet, too smoky. The 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 St. Arnold and yeah, I think just, like we said, it was a or like I said, it was a Krispy uh, Kreme donut dipped in scotch. Dipped in scotch. <laughs> it, it could be. It just wasn't drinkable at all. I mean, for a sip or two, you could find interesting things to ponder, but not drinkable. And that that be it. That'll do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Excellent show, Jeff. Excellent show, Garth. Greg. Greg Garth. Greg Garth. You're Garth. You're Garth. I, I know. I know. I was just I was trying to give them a little clue into what the hell we're talking about. Maybe it's too big of a clue. Well, I guess, you know, it. it, it is... Something that maybe not everybody knows anymore. It's not. It's, it's not really topical <laughs> anymore, no. buddy. Come on. It's, it was when we recorded this, right? That's our excuse. Right. It's, it's not. We're talking about Snooky in the situation, right? <laughs> have a have a good one, guys. Mm-hmm. Too bye. Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. The theme music is Money or Time from The Lights Out. Email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com, or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash jeffbear and twitter.com slash gmwise. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. Money or time, but you never get away.